Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death dying and other things. Any little bit helps. Now, onto the show. I don't have much to say at the start of this episode. The world's changed so dramatically since last month that it's hard to put any of my thoughts into words. All I can really say is, stay safe, stay inside, follow CDC guidelines. It's the only way we're going to get this thing under control. This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about books. In two dozen shelves, you learn to meditate at an early age. Death and dying, the thresholds between this world and the next, the boundary between light and dark, the barrier between worlds, and that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. Four cases of bookshelves line four walls, holding 3,056 books. The floor of this room is smooth concrete. There's no ceiling, just an endless yawning blackness stretching up, up, up. No windows, no doors, no hidden hatches revealing ladders leading down, down, down. Just you the shelves, and the books. You discovered this place in your youth, during long stints in your room, being punished, fairly or unfairly, for too long. Any distractions would be removed by your mother, and you would be left with a bed and a rug on the floor. And for hours, you would stare at the ceiling until the boredom got to you and you closed your eyes and slipped into a not-quite-asleep-but-not-quite-awake middle ground that later you would learn some people call meditation. The books are filled with words you can't read, even if the letters were familiar to you. In some of the volumes, you reckon a third of the library's entire collection they are, Those tomes are filled with groupings, 
of the same letters that make up the phrases you use to speak and to write, just configured into nonsense words strung together into nonsense sentences. When you try to read one of those, you get the uncanny feeling in the back of your head that you're being watched, though no evidence can be found by you of a voyeur. Other books are filled with symbols altogether strange to you, and not strange in the way the letters and symbols of another language are. There's one book, sixth bookcase, third shelf, fourth book from the right. Its hardcover is a deep velvet cloth fraying at the edges. Its slipcover is long gone. Inside, it's filled with strings of 36 variously sized circles. When you read it, your head swims and your belly flops like it used to when you saw your crush across the field at high school. You don't read it much, even though you'd like to, because its pages are yellowed and brittle, and each time you open it, another fragile leaf cracks to dust. There's another, tenth bookcase, bottom shelf, second book from the left, soft cover, bright red and pristine. Inside, each page is filled with fine, straight lines, rows and rows of them like some eternal tally. When you read that one, you get a headache and feel nauseous. You don't read that one much, either. One of your favorites, though. You read it quite a bit. Eighteenth case, top shelf, ten books in. Bound in embossed leather, but smaller than most of the other books, both in size and in length. Its pages are filled with small squares of color, blues and greens and yellows and oranges, swatches of every shade conceivable and some that aren't. When you open that volume and begin to read its different hues, your face gets flushed, your blood runs hot, and you feel that now familiar ache deep in your pelvis. In your late teens, it became a project to catalog all these different books, and it was surprising how strange they could get. There was an entire row of books, 18th case, third row from the top, each with a matching cloth cover of deep maroon. All of their pages, you estimated some 15,000, filled with flowing script-like symbols. Each of these books made your throat tighten as you tried to read them. There was a single book on the 13th case near the end of the bottom shelf. Its cover was brilliant white, so clean and bright that it seemed to glow. It filled you with apprehension to look at it from the outside, but when you opened it, you saw pages and pages of moving colors, big swatches of what reminded you of watercolor paint flowing over itself, shifting hues, dancing for you. 
When you read this book, your eyes watered and your chest clenched and you began to cry. But not tears of sadness, tears of joy, like when your dad, horribly hurt in an accident at work, opened his eyes for the first time in the hospital. There was a short, squat, terribly long book toward the beginning of the collection. A simple brown cover with a red X across its front. Each of its pages displayed a single number, and when you cracked this book open, your mouth started watering, and you became ravenously hungry. The strangest in the whole collection, though, was the first. Case one, shelf one, book one. A simple leather cover, nondescript and unadorned. Looking at the edges of this book's pages, you could see their rough, almost papyrus-like construction. And when you opened this one, light split into a million colors like sunlight through a prism, exploded out of its pages. It shocked you, and you dropped the book to the floor, and your vision was filled with a kaleidoscope of colors and patterns. Your mind became overwhelmed, and you nearly lost yourself. You've never opened that one again. Sometime in early adulthood, just after your grandfather died and you moved into that dingy apartment with three of your friends, you found a new book. 21st Case, Third Shelf, small, thin, the color of your flesh, wedged between two much larger texts. For a moment, you wondered if you'd just overlooked it all these years but you realized how unlikely that was. You'd been over these shelves, leafed through these books so many times, it would be an impossibility that you just never noticed it. Even placing your finger on the spine of this new book made your stomach flop, your chest clench, your heart struggle. Your temperature rose and you felt the overwhelming urge to run, an intensity of feeling you'd only ever experienced once before, stopping just short of an intersection on your bicycle while a drunk careened through a red light and into the light pole five feet in front of you. You somehow managed to conquer the anxiety curl your fingers into the spine of the book and slide it out. As you held it in your hands, you felt a profound desire to destroy it, to sacrifice a pile of these treasured volumes to make a fire and burn this interloper, but you found that impulse impossible to act on. Instead, you felt compelled to open that wretched book and when you flipped the front cover open, turning it to the first page, a pain knifed through your head like a thunderous migraine ripping through your mind. The slim book, 
In fact, no more than a short pamphlet was only three pages long. Each page covered with a thick, solid black rectangle. Running your finger over the black pages, you found the ink held onto your fingertips like bad newsprint. Trying to read the dark pages made your heart race, and eventually you felt pulled into the black void, spiraling down into the book's blank nothingness. It took great effort to tear your eyes away once you realized what was happening. You slammed the book shut and shoved it to the back of the shelf, behind the two larger volumes you found it between. It took a while to calm yourself, even there in that normally pleasant place. When you had taken a few deep breaths, you fetched a book from the second case, fourth row, a massive volume filled with sprinklings of randomly colored curled lines. Heavy, too. You never could hold on to this one for very long while trying to read it. You sat down on the smooth floor and held the heavy book in your lap before flipping the cover. This book always made you smell crisp-cut grass and freshly fallen rain, and soon, leafing through the pages, it was like your mind was flushed clean with spring water. You noticed, in your haste to consume this specific book, you weren't careful with your dirty fingers. Smudges of gray now sullied this book. Your heart sank a little as you tried to rub one of the smudges off with your fingers, only making it worse. It was years before you were back. Your adult life became almost too much to manage. Sixty-hour weeks on top of sporadic dating. Not to mention trying to find time for the gym, if you could. Vacuumed up all of your time. And you ended each day collapsed in bed, exhausted and dreading how early you had to get up to fit it all in the next day. A few moments to close your eyes and concentrate on your mind was a luxury that never presented itself. And in the rare times you even had a second to try, you ended up asleep instead. You were busy, too busy to even notice the creeping mood changes, the hopelessness building in the back of your head, the anger welling at each minor inconvenience. You wept sometimes, but only when you lost something, like during a breakup. Each time you felt the sorrow grow. By the time your dog got out of the backyard and was hit by a car, your agony was aggressive, exploding outward like a bomb. You trashed your house, smashed your television, ripped apart your bed frame, put holes in your drywall. It took days to recover. You couldn't rise from your bed, even if you honestly tried. 
You spent three days staring at a particularly large hole you'd ripped open on the opposite wall. A friend brought you pizza on the fourth day and sat with you while you tried to eat and finally got you to admit that something was wrong. Grieving was normal, but this was something else. This friend had noticed it before, too. Noticed it in the car with you while you screamed out the window at a driver that had stopped in front of you at a yellow light. Noticed it at the bar with you while you drank six beers without saying a word to the rest of the group you had gone out with. Noticed it from afar when it sometimes took days for you to respond to text messages. Your friends suggested pulling back a bit, taking some time off of work, maybe taking a trip, or maybe it was as simple as trying some meditation. You agreed, finished the pizza, watched a movie on your friend's laptop, and thanked them when they left. It had been so long that you were nervous you wouldn't remember how to get there. You sat on your couch, took a long sip of water, and settled into the couch's soft cushions. You looked around your small house. It had been a miracle that you'd been able to buy it. And now, looking around at all of the things you'd destroyed when your dog was taken from you, you were dismayed. You tried to push that from your mind. You'd deal with that later. For now, you just wanted to open those books again. You closed your eyes. The sun was setting outside, but there were still birds in the tree in your front yard. You wrapped your mind around the bird songs and concentrated on bringing them in close. Then you opened your eyes and sighed. You were still there in your living room. You are right to be afraid. You had forgotten the way. You got up and walked through the refuse scattered across the floor to the kitchen and poured yourself a drink. You slipped out the back door to the backyard and sat on one of the lawn chairs. The sun was nearly gone, but the sky was still ablaze with pink and orange. You laid your head back and watched the color fade and the stars appear one by one. The birds stopped singing and the crickets started. You sipped your drink, slouched down in your chair, and closed your eyes. You listened to the droning chirps for a few minutes, and somehow the noise eased your mind. You opened your eyes, and you were in the middle of a concrete room with 24 cases of books, but everything was different. The smooth concrete floors and walls were now mottled with black and pitted like rocks on the seashore. Looking upward, you saw that the simple black void had been replaced with roiling purple and green clouds, and what was once a silent, peaceful retreat was pierced with a high-pitched ringing like some alarm clock 
that would never be silenced. The greatest loss, though, were the books themselves. You could see it, even from here at the center of the room. Dusty black ink clinged to every book's spine, like some cosmic dust had taken control. You hurried over to some of your favorite books. Sixth bookcase, third shelf, fourth book from the right, purple cover, fragile pages. Opening it, you no longer saw circles that reminded you of the first time you fell in love. Instead, smudges of dusty black obscured most of the book, and you fell into despair. Squat brown book with a red X on the cover, a single number on each page. But instead of raising your appetite, the chalky smudges obscured each number and you grew angry. You threw this book across the room and rushed over to another. Eighteenth case, top shelf, ten books in, bound in embossed leather but smaller than most of the other books, both in size and in length. Its pages filled with small squares of color. It made you ache deep in your abdomen, and you hoped against all evidence to the contrary that its pages would be untouched. But of course, they weren't. Those strings of squares that brought arousal were hidden completely by dusty smudges of black. You dropped the book to the floor. Lost. The whole collection was lost. This once immortal retreat, sullied by some wasting disease. And then you remembered it, that strange book you found all those years ago. You rushed to it, that shelf you hid it on behind those larger books. The fate of those was worse than the others. They were rotten, sagging. Most of their pages were gone, and when you touched them to move them out of the way, they collapsed in on themselves. You reached behind to that interloper that you're sure now caused all of this. You grasped it, and you felt it give, like you were clawing some living, fleshy thing. You almost hurled the book away from you when you got a good look at it. It had grown. What was once only a few pages now was a hundred at least, and it had swollen. It bulged in the center. You contemplated opening it, but its heavy malice leaked out of the pages anyway, chalky blackness splattering to the floor at your feet. And then it sprung open anyway. Right in your hands, it flipped open to reveal a great and vast maw lined with teeth, slavering chalky blackness onto your hands and arms. It screamed. You screamed. Its cry pierced your ears, and on instinct you hurled the thing up over the walls of your tiny room. The scream died, but another sound replaced it like wet clothing ripping apart and chicken bones breaking. Soon, a large shape lifted itself beyond the walls. You hurried over to the one book you'd never opened twice, 
the first book, number one in the collection. The black, chalky ink had gathered in great quantities on this one. You opened it, and instead of a rainbow of colors, you are greeted only by a dense gray fog pouring out of the book's pages. You threw the first book to the ground in the center of the room as many legs began to find their way over the concrete walls. The fog poured forth, enveloping you. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Busty. The story, Two Dozen Shelves, was written by me too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Busky. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Warnke. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Meditation and to Libraries. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out all the other fantastic shows. New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Dying, and Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Buskey. Stay out of the shadows. Mm-hmm.